0: Hey everybody, Um, in case you didn't know, I'm at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival from now until the 25th of August at Dropkick Murphy's Bar at 6.45pm with Duffy Connors and Sharlene Jahan. So please come on down if you like to have your... But before you come and see us, um, on this episode I have the wonderful Gay Monaco as a guest Um, he's a comedian and he's also at the Fringe Um, in this episode we talk about self-care at the Fringe which is really fucking important Um, how to juggle working in education and being a stand-up comedian which is something that we both can relate to and also the hit show The Carmichael Show so yeah please give it up for the wonderful Gabe Monaco How's it going, Gabe? It's going so well. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. All right. My yeah. voice is sort of starting to waver, uh-huh. but like that's yeah, that's mid fringe for you from what I've gathered. From what I've yeah. gathered.
1: yeah, that day off came at just at the right moment. I had not yesterday, but the day before off, and I just oh. really needed it to not no, fly her all day. Nice. <laughs>
0: um, so you had a day. So you had a day off. Where? Yeah,
1: the 12th. The oh, 12th. Sweet. I had off, and it's it's needed now, and because now it's just shows mm. every night until the end of the run. Mm. Um, but I'm looking forward. So what is today? Wednesday. Yeah,
0: Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: I'm looking forward to the weekend. Some bigger crowds, perhaps. Yes. Um, but the, I've I've luckily I haven't had the biggest crowds, but they've been good crowds. Oh, that's what you want. They've been listening, yeah. and they wanted to hang out afterwards. Some of them. So I take that
0: over, like, a big, drunk, rowdy crowd. Uh, to be honest, like, those are the best kind of crowds. Yeah. Like, we get, um, a re- I'm doing every day. Every day. No days off Yeah. There you go. But it's a bit different for me because I'm doing, 20, I'm doing like, 20 minutes of mm-hmm. an hour show. You're doing an hour show to yourself. Yeah. Um, which I'm guessing after, like, you will need a fucking break after doing an hour yeah. by yourself.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but we get, so we're actually in a bar. Oh, okay. We get a yeah we get a, we get a real mix mix of crack, people sure. yeah but it's it's Dr. Murphy's that we're in and it's an mm-hmm. amazing room mm-hmm. but it's fucking difficult yeah but oh, yeah. it's where you learn yeah where you learn you have to
1: learn yeah I mean I'm lucky enough I mean you live in London so I mean there's lots of opportunity to do comedy mm. but I live in New York and so like it's sort of at least in the open mic scene it's about how much you're willing to get up yeah and i have a full-time job so it's like a balance like anything else but yeah you learn in front of you just try to do it as many times as possible
0: so yeah nothing phases you uh what i've gathered about the difference between new york and the london open Might scene is that you can just let you turn up in new york and Mm. put your name down to as many nights as you want and get as many spots in a night
1: yeah
0: how does and compared to in London where you actually have to book a night you have to mm. book, and you have to stay and you have to sometimes bring people. Yeah. Like, how have you found, have you played much in England?
1: I've done, so I started comedy in Edinburgh. Yeah. And I've done Dublin. Nice. And different spots around Ireland and I, I did those like booked open mics. Now the thing is when I did a booked open mic in Dublin and did like a tight five, the crowd was hot, people nice. stayed, everyone was really nice. So it was, quality stage time in front of people who are listening yeah so in new york you might be able to get up numbers wise way more i know Mm -hmm. i have friends that do you know 30 40 sets a week but not all of that stage time is good stage time or some of it is just talking to no one or talking to people who are disinterested so it really is a balance um so like the rule of thumb is just like get up as much as possible yeah Um, For me, right now, with a full-time job and, like, wanting to have a a life worth commenting on, Mm -hmm. I'm about 25 sets a month. That's my number. That gets you to 300 times a year. Yeah. And throughout this year, where I've really put together the solo show and done, like, storytelling and stand-up, I'm probably averaging, like, 22, 23. Yeah. But... In the next, like, to finish out the year, I think I'm going to be close to 300 for That's the year, cool, which is, yeah, which is the, which is the goal. So, again, it's, like, quality versus quantity. Uh, I just, you know, I'm trying to get booked more on, yeah. like, real shows. So I'm trying to do the... <laughs> not these fake shows. Not <laughs> these fake, yeah, not these, like, shitty open mics. Um, but there's some really great shows in New York. And one of the cool things about being over here mm-hmm. is, like, the other day I met a producer of, like, the best bar show in New York City. She was in Edinburgh, who, like, in New York, I like, probably would never have said hello to mm. me, or just, like, for no other reason than, like, we wouldn't have been in the same circles, yeah. and suddenly we're at the same party, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I know that show that you book. Like, of course, like, it's a big deal. So that's one of the fun things about being over at the Fringe, where I'm mm. just meeting so many American comics that hopefully um, I can get on some more shows. I'm actually planning a show. Uh, I don't know how many of your listeners are in Queens, New York, but I'm planning a show when I get back in September about... Um, where I have all the people that I met over here do,
0: nice. you know, from five
1: to 10. Nice. I'm getting some big American acts who I've met over here and some guys who are at my level, um, just to sort of do like a, almost like a pick of the fringe. Mm. Yeah. Um, but in New York City in Sweet. September. Yeah. So it's been, so over here is, is again, like there's a lot of, there can be a lot of quality. Um, again, with those smaller audiences. Um, yeah. My favorite audience was, that I had so far was four friends um and i did it without the microphone and i just sort of told the story mm-hmm. um last night though snuck up on me and ended up being like amazing because i got everyone in, in the last half hour and it was probably 12 or 15. um an older couple um a family of three um a younger couple one guy by him, two guys who were by themselves and i got all of them in the last half hour so a half hour before the show i'm freaking out that nobody's coming And halfway through, I I realized, like, oh, this audience is great. They're listening, and they're laughing, and they seem to be enjoying it. And I'm sort of, you know, I tell one long story, but I try to break a little bit and sometimes just, like, talk about, like, I'm in the room, too. Mm -hmm. Like, don't worry. I'm not just reciting this show. Like, we can talk. We can have a conversation. So they seem to enjoy switching gears. Um, And it was just like it snuck up on me. By the end, I was so happy. Mm -hmm um but again like today is uh wednesday and i have no idea if anybody's coming to my eleven fifteen it's the, show
0: it's the dip it's the dip isn't it yeah like it's the wednesday dip yeah right. well it's it can even be a dip or a spike depending on who's around because we uh we've had a couple obviously we've been there for like two wednesdays now. We? yeah yeah we've had I think we had one Wednesday where was really great, one Wednesday where it was like six people. Yeah. So it never actually... I
1: got really lucky last week because I used to teach over here in Edinburgh. Oh, nice. And I was a basketball coach at the high school where I taught at. And a, a bunch of the boys that I coached on the basketball team showed up last mm. Wednesday. Nice. So again, you know, half hour before the show, I'm like, oh, I guess I'll do this for four or five people. And then suddenly like eight boys showed up. Mm. So it ended up being like an awesome audience. Nice. And I felt really lucky. Um, But again, like... Mm. I'm trying <laughs> – it's hard not to get, like, too high or too low. Yeah. Um, because, like, the highs are really great when, mm-hmm. like, people show up and they want to talk to you. And, like, I've gotten really nice audience reviews and those feel great. And then the lows are just, like, I'm flyering. No one gives a shit about my life story. Yeah. They look at me like I'm an asshole for, like, even insinuating that they might like this thing that I made. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it just feels more personal – doing like a full story fringe than mm-hmm. it would like when i've in new york city when i've like barked for stage time you're like fired um it feels like all right like i'm doing this for the eight, 10 minutes of stage time like who cares yeah. like or just like hey come on in like five dollar margaritas like who yeah. cares mm-hmm. but suddenly like this is this show is a show that i really care about yes. and I to put a lot of work into and when people like roll their eyes or like laugh that i'm like handing them a flyer it's it is deflating oh yeah <laughs> it's
0: yeah. like not the most I fun i completely agree with that but as i have to fly for my show as well mm-hmm. um what i found though because obviously you see people who fly for other people's shows as well what i found is that the people who fly for other people's shows mm-hmm. are nowhere near as enthusiastic as the ones who are flying for their own show
1: yes i couldn't agree i've, I've paid fly we've paid flyers
0: nope Are you doing a free fringe?
1: Yep. I'm jealous. (laughs) I'm doing... Because I'm doing just the tonic, and they've been really good to me. They respond to emails. They're organized. um, They got my tickets in the half-priced hut. Like, they're doing, like, the things they need to be doing, but it's just expensive. Yeah. And so I think if I were to do the fringe again, I think potentially... I I I have two minds of it. One of them is I'll come back next year, just do spots for 10 days, hang out, see shows, see my friends. The other... Is that maybe I'll bring the show back with a year's more worth of jokes and ideas and like really have something that I'm like really really proud of because it's been like about six months that I put this together, Uh, and it's been like my main creative focus. But like in another year, it could be something special, which is to say that um, I've paid flyers before um, to flyer my show that I really care about, and it's basically just been pissing away money. Yeah. And so. I, at a certain point, I'm just like, I'll just do it myself. And I trust myself more than I trust somebody at 10 pounds an hour. Yeah. Um, but I also then tried to flyer yesterday during the afternoon outside the half-priced hut, and it was just, like, a complete waste of time because those are just not my people. It's mm-hmm. a lot of tourists. It's a lot of... F- if, like, if you're out at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, you're probably not interested in an 11, 15 p.m. show. Yeah. So I sort of have to just take a risk and be strategic. So, like, there's a couple shows that get out before my one gets out at 8.30, one gets out at 9, one gets out at 9.15, where I'm just like, all right, if I can hit those, and try to talk to some people exiting those shows, mm-hmm. and then if I can hang out at the MASH house for the last two hours, and pop up in and out uh, I'll try to get lucky, but it's such a crapshoot, and it's so hard, mm. and it's way harder than the show, by the time the show starts, I'm like, oh, thank goodness, I just get to talk <laughs> now, for Christ's <laughs> sake, um, like this is the easy part and This is the thing that I've been thinking about all year mm. uh, I'm very so I'm like pretty jealous of like the acts who are established who mm-hmm. just like show up and yep. even if it's not a sellout there's like people there yeah um, that must be fun what <laughs> I'm try also trying to
0: find is that unless you're a massive massive headliner yeah then you're going to do the free fringe anyway mm. like we have people. Um, there are people who in who are on the London circuit who are doing like who are semi-professional at the moment mm-hmm. like Elliot Steele mm-hmm. he's doing the free friends right now and mm-hmm. he's almost a head- He's but he's pretty much a headliner wow but it just makes more, much more sense I think with Stephen Elliot. Carlin
1: too right yeah yeah I met him I mean I knew him Stephen
0: Catlin Stephen Carlin
1: Carlin. Car- oh, he's yeah. He's doing two good. shows free Fringe. Oh. He's doing two different hours.
0: Okay. Um and
1: he's a comic that I met in Edinburgh 5 years ago. I met I, I met him again last night at ACMS. Have you been to that show? Never. What's it like? Oh, it's amazing. It's the best show in the city. It's uh it's the Alternative Comedy Memorial uh Society and they just do like real weird shit and also like regular stand up, but it's mm. every night at midnight, every weeknight at midnight at the Monkey Barrel. And I've been hanging out there, and it's been so fun. And I actually just got booked on it. I'm gonna nice. The, uh, yeah, I'm so. It's like, for me, it's like the thing that I've seen the most. I've gone the most nights, and just like sort of like hung around those people. And yeah, I got booked last night, so I'm going to do Thursday, the 22nd, or something like that. And I've already come up with like some weird ideas mm-hmm. that I'm going to try because it's a place where after every performance, the host comes back up, this guy, Tom Tuck, and he yells, a failure, and the whole audience will yell, a noble failure. <laughs> and there's something really genuine and sweet and like experimental about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been doing that every day. So I met Stephen Carlin there, and we got chatting. And I was like, yeah, I met you five years ago. You were really nice to me. Um, and he's super funny, and he's a, I think a headliner in London. I imagine. Mm-hmm. And he's doing. I mean, if you're doing two different hours at this year's Fringe, like both with Bucket. Yeah. Because um, right now I'm making money. You know, every show brings in a certain amount of money, but it's just going right back to the venue. Yeah. And so if I can get in with the free fringe folk, um, I can take that bucket and maybe pay a flyer. Maybe yeah. make enough money for 10, for 10 pounds a day that I'm getting right back. Um, so I think, like, in the future, if I can get a good free spot, that's what I'm going to try to mm-hmm. do. Uh,
0: but it's tough. It oh, yeah. It's tough um i know that laughing horse they uh yeah they open their they open their applications in may i think so if you can get there as early on them as early as possible for sure then yeah you're quite lucky we got real lucky this year with the venue and like, yeah and, like, that stuff yeah so are you um you're you're not you don't have a full, you have a full-time job same here yeah um so is it a, are you a teacher so I work in a high school. I, I run the writing center at nice. this high school, so I have an
1: office in the library, and I meet with kids one-on-one, and I work on their writing. Okay. And I'm also like a college advisor. Nice. Um, so I sort of do a few things, but it's nice because I don't take a lot of work home with me. Yeah. And during the day, if I don't have a lesson to plan for the college advising, and I'm not meeting with a student... Um, you know, I can journal yeah. or I try to write something or I have an hour lunch break every day where I drink coffee and yeah. write jokes Nice. Um, so I try to sneak in that every mm-hmm. once in a while um, but it, it's nice to have a job, I'm very lucky to have a job that uh, just at all, but also yeah. that, that lets me like talk about writing all day yeah. because writing a high school essay it's not writing a joke but it is structurally very similar to like the way I structured my show I, I don't. don't know if I would have figured that out as maybe quickly is if so I weren't structuring kids' arguments all day. Yeah. Um, so that's really, um, I'm pretty lucky to be able to do that. And it's nice to know that, like, if I bomb or, like, I'm not getting booked and, like, comedy's going poorly for a week or two or whatever, more, probably longer than that, <laughs> um, that at least, like, I helped somebody, like, yeah. write an essay, which, that's like, right. is a small thing, but it feels... It feels like worthwhile. You yeah. have a day job too.
0: Yeah, I work in a school as well. Oh, nice. A job that's quite similar to yours. Oh, cool. Um, I think in America you call them a counselor. So I have kids with special educational needs and behavior yeah. problems, social issues, and I take them out, do group work, and one-to-ones. Hell yeah. But what I'm finding is like so many teachers and school staff go into stand-up.
1: Oh yeah. Sure. <laughs> There's a ton of in a, in in America. It's like. There's a bunch of us. Mm. Uh, Josh Gondelman was a preschool teacher. He's like a big American comic. Um, Gary Goldman, who's yeah. like super popular and great. I love that guy. Um, uh, worked in a school, I believe. Um, and he talks about Goldman. He I don't know if you know this about Gary Goldman. He's tweeting a, a writing tip a day mm-hmm. on his Twitter account, and they're amazing. They're all stand-up related. Really? Yeah. There's right now. So there's been over 200 of them so far this year, because one one a day, and a lot of them are about um, like the writing process but also just like again living a life that like you work with kids if yeah. some kid says something silly to you you can riff off that and get on stage and try that Yeah. Um, it's I think part of me would worry part of me th- thinks that it might be weird if I didn't have a day job like what mm. would I talk about on yeah. stage or what would give me a uh, like a grounded sense of purpose in the world if I were just doing stand-up and I love stand-up and it's so fun and it's going pretty well. Yeah. But I, I do I do appreciate having to get up at nine or yeah. before nine in the morning and like I'm responsible for something. It's yeah. not you know the most important job in the world. I'm not working as hard as a teacher might be, um, or guidance counselor or anything like that. But <clears throat> I do think it's important to have some work to do. Oh, it's yeah. funny you do special education. That's like I have a lot of experience doing that. That's nice. and like, such good important fun work. Uh, it's exhausting yeah too I'm sure you leave that i mean in it's
0: time. in a, it's in a mainstream it's in a it's in a, it's in a mainstream secondary school okay but like I get kids who are haven't got like statemented special educational needs mm-hmm. so like haven't um but they often have just social issues and behavior issues mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and yeah it's an amazing it's an amazing job and yeah. it and the hours are great because it means you can go out at night and do what we do yeah hell yeah um so what got you into comedy
1: that's a great question i mean i always loved comedy growing up uh we'd listen to, like bill cosby records in the car and seinfeld uh, telling you why don't i that good stuff yeah i know i know um so, those two as a kid. And then, you know, I always loved stand-up, but I was a singer. I was a musician. Nice. And that's what I was doing, and that's what I sort of wanted to do. And at a certain point, I, I started to understand about myself that mm-hmm. I, was, I was a good interpreter of music. Like, I, I, I could sing a song well, and I could be in a choir, and I could even teach it. But I lacked the ability to create music. Mm-hmm. I couldn't compose. I wasn't good enough at the piano to sort of, like, make my own music. And... Uh, Then I saw Mike Birbiglia's special My Girlfriend's Boyfriend Which is on Netflix And it's just one long story With jokes mm. And I remember being like I need to do that Like that is an important thing to me uh, And I was dating a girl at the time And I told her I was like I think I want to do that I remember her saying Rightfully so She was like you're so impulsive (laughs) (laughs) and I was like no 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 but this one's serious like I really like this one um and so once I realized that stand-up could be that type of story that's what really got me into it um Mm. and I love jokes and I love writing jokes but for me doing stand-up every night like I'm working on these jokes um to eventually put them into a story Mm. to help you better understand me and better understand the story so Mm. there are jokes that I have that since night one of the fringe that I've cut not because they don't work or because I mean some of them don't work but not because they're terrible <laughs> jokes or anything because they don't fit into this narrative that I'm working on yeah. so I'm just banking them for the next thing
0: that, that's crazy that you're um, taking the narrative of the uh, you're taking the narrative part of stand-up mm. instead of the very American tell a joke tell a joke tell a joke yes it's very
1: rare for an American yeah. to, be,
0: to be doing this there's
1: Honestly, I'm living with three Americans who all have narrative shows. My buddy Sam Morrison and uh, Brett Johnson. And we one of the things we talk about is that like not a lot of Americans are doing this. It's yeah. a very American thing to just write killer jokes. And it's pretty much Berbiglia. Hassan Minaj had a yeah. solo show. Jacqueline Novak right now is off-Broadway um, with a show. But it is not a popular American show. Mm. Um, uh, Trope where at yeah. the fringe, which is one of the reasons I brought us to the fringe, is because I thought it would play well to audiences, and it is, it's just not playing well to giant
0: audiences. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fun. Yeah, but that's cool, though. wise like, man. Do you reckon it's something that will catch on in America, or do you reckon it's. Part of me hopes not, um,
1: <laughs> because I really want to do it. Um, <laughs> you know what? I don't think so. Mm. I think. At least it hasn't yet, because yeah. Verviglia was just on Broadway, so he, he's done four four solo shows and two movies, and I don't know too many other Americans that are doing themed solo shows. My buddy Renan just um, had one, um, but then he recorded an album um, that was just like typical American, I mean, in the best way, like mm. amazing American stand-up, bit to bit to bit to bit. Um, and that's, like, what sells. Like, mm. that's what he's going to get him on the radio, yeah. and to sell albums. It's very rare to be selling solo shows. Um, so part of me thinks, like, maybe next year I'm just going to come back and just say, fuck it. Like, I I did the show for how many? X number of people, but there's so many more people in Edinburgh, mm-hmm. and the show could get a lot better in a year. Um, so maybe I'll just take that risk. And, like, I know there's, like, a little bit of a stigma. I got Rick like, returning with the same show. Yeah. But part of me is, like... Scared and excited that it could be so much better in a year.
0: Uh, um, it won't be the same show though. Yeah, it'll be. It'll different. be a completely different person in a year. Yeah, like sure. the show, like you, uh, as you said, you came with the show, and you've changed things, you move things around, so the show is still different. It's yes. growing. Mm it's not the same as it was before so why can't you bring the show back after it's grown and developed in a year i hope so
1: yeah it's not like i'm getting so much press that uh yeah <laughs> that uh it's not like i'm getting so much press that like they'll be like we saw this last year um but yeah i, I it's been it's been a really fun and exhausting mm. i just like need naps all the time yeah um but it's a story that's important to me. So I don't know, I didn't I guess I didn't say this, but the story is about how I lived in Edinburgh five years ago and I started comedy the day after my best friend and my girlfriend fell in love. Oh. Or at least like I found out about it. Oh. And God. so that's the story. Um but it's more than that. Like it's a story about friendship and yeah. it's very there's parts of it that are very silly. Um and it means a lot to me the story. And I've worked really hard on making the jokes good enough to justify telling a story. Yeah. Um, but it's something that I, I guess I just want more people to see because I believe in it so much.
0: So who? So obviously you've got Seinfeld and Cosby. Mm-hmm. Who else has influenced you? It's a great question.
1: Burbiglieri and Hassan Minaj, definitely because they're the Americans doing the narrative stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some American comics right now that you may not have heard of because they probably haven't like leaked over. Try me. Uh, Anthony Devito. I've heard of
0: Anthony Devito. I DeMille.
1: love Anthony Devito. I think he's one of the funniest uh in new york right now um who else do i really dig right now uh dan soder who's over here he has a killer hour uh i saw his show
0: um i was talking to someone on the street i was talking to david a comedian david anthony when i met him on the street uh um yesterday and he brought his parents to david soder Mm. And he, and to Dan yeah yeah, yeah. He, Dan Soder he was and he said that like I knew he told them I was like I know you you will not like this <laughs> you will not enjoy this hour but they did it anyway because they're his lovely parents yes
1: yes that's good that's good yeah I mean like he's so American yeah um, but I just think like the way he writes jokes and his his confidence on stage and his mm. um, just like sort of just like I'm just a huge fan yeah um, so Soder I love um there's a, an American comic Josh Johnson that I really dig. He writes for the Daily Show. Okay. Um and he's been what you guys would say tour support. We would say mm-hmm. opening for. Yeah. Um he's been opening for Trevor Noah on a nice. like massive so he played a room that I <laughs> he played a room that I um that I ran like a, a I did a show with a bunch of Daily Show writers. Yeah. And uh he did that room for, you know, twenty five people. And then like a week later he posted a picture on Instagram playing the United Center in Chicago oh. for like like thousands and thousands of people. Oh god. So like yeah, he's somebody who's like really, really great. I really like him. Um yeah, I mean in New York there's just like so so many comics. I haven't said any women, but there's so many uh female, female comics that I adore. Kat Cohen is here who I really yeah. love. Oh, Lisa Traeger oh my god, she's a monster, she's like, incredible, 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 and she's really sweet, I met her the other day, um, yeah, Lisa is, she's like, filthy, and all over the place, but like, in the most (laughs) endearing way, if if you're in Edinburgh, you should check out Lisa's show, sweet, um, uh, I love Lisa Traeger, um, yeah, those are the ones who are like sort of influencing me right now. I mean, I'm also pretty involved in the storytelling scene in yeah. New York, which is slightly different. It's yeah. sort of less joke-focused. Um, but there's some incredible... Richard Cardillo, Adam Wade. Um, there's some really great American storytellers um, who are not necessarily trying to do stand-up, but are just trying to tell great stories. And I think, for me, I need to be learning constantly from both the Anthony DeVitos of the world, who, like, tell killer jokes and have nice stories, to the guys who are just, like, not concerned about jokes in terms of, like, repetition of jokes, but who just want to tell really great narratives. So for me, like, merging those two uh, is really important.
0: Yeah. So in America, right, what I found is that on TV, Uh there's a lot more talent shows for specifically comedy so mm. it's becoming a lot more x-factorized i like mm. I that's the term i kind of use for it sure sure what do you think that what impact do you think that's having on is going to have on the comedy scene in general because you've got a new you've had a last comic standing you've got a new one with um jeff foxworthy that's and right keenan and Kenan. Kenan thompson, Kenan thompson yeah. which, both of which I lo- I love Jeff Fox, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really am a big fan of sure. the of the um. He's been doing it a long time. Yeah, yeah man, of the of the blue Com- the blue comedy tour with yeah him, Larry yeah. David. What well, Dan Whitley? We'll call we'll call him. Uh huh. And Bill Engvall. So yes, what do yeah. you think those kind of shows, so um, Blast Comic Stand in and Bring the Funny, mm-hmm. what kind of impact do you reckon they're going to have on the stand-up comedy circuit?
1: You know, they sort of, those shows, what i found is that they play, because they're on network television, they mm-hmm. play to a very, I don't mean to use this word in a derogatory way, a very broad audience. Yeah. So... Families. It's clean comedy. It's folk. It's stuff that ideally you could bring your family to. Yeah. So for them, I think those shows really Im- can be great. America's Got Talent can be great for mm-hmm. folks who play, um, who have like a thing, like an identity that's like clearly uh, delineated, and are relatively clean. So mm-hmm. for those comics, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, do I s- like? I mean obviously I I want my comedy to reach more people so like that's something I would consider but it's not like my top priority because I don't know if it fits like I and I maybe I get to like be like an artist about this because (laughs) I have a day job but like I really do want to do the narrative storytelling yeah uh comedy and that might not be the thing that those shows play to but also if I got to be on one of those shows maybe then they might be up for going on like a journey it, it, it would be similar mm. I would analogize it to um, like doing spots in Edinburgh yeah so I did a spot the other day for like a sold out massive show it was a fundraiser
0: was it uh, was it, it was
1: through uh, Nucleus Financial it was through this like private company that like had like a work party and they had okay. a stand up show and the audience was so good and the jokes were just like explosions mm. in the audience who like, was it was, was on there Nobody that I recognized. It was just, like, um, but people who all have shows, and people were so nice. But it felt, and it was fun. It was a fun gig, but it was very, it was very broad. I was doing like my like these are the jokes that'll work at like a work function, mm. and then those some of those people came to see the show and they really enjoyed it. But it was very different. Yeah, um, and so what those shows do is they give provide an incredible platform, right, to tell jokes to a massive amount of people, um, but for me. I would much rather... And this is probably terrible for my career. If I had an agent, they'd be slapping me. Mm-hmm. But for me, I guess I would rank... Being on one of those shows maybe as less important than being than the opportunity to do stand-up on Colbert or mm-hmm. Fallon or Conan... Um, Those are, in a lot of ways, like, the comics credits, where, like, they're probably not as helpful. They probably want to sell as many tickets as, Mm. like, America's Got Talent or The Keenan Show or whatever. No. Um, But, um, yeah, and, like, I can afford to take it slowly because I like my job. Yeah. It has my health insurance, and I'm not clamoring to make comedy my full-time gig just now because I want to get better at it before Mm. I make that choice.
0: I... I... I wouldn't say no to going on one of those shows, but like if if I ever get good enough to do it, yeah, yeah. But I don't see the point in comics doing it anymore. Mm. TV's a dying medium, mm. like and a lot and some of the time the pe- the people that are doing those shows like Colbert or whatever, mm-hmm. they don't always show up for those uh, for the comic taping. So mm. the comic will be filming on a different day or a different hour to a smaller audience, but they'll film it. Yeah, as if oh, you are yeah. actually on the show. It's not like in the Johnny Carson days. No, where overnight it made you. Yeah. Exactly, and where um, where he'd allow you to go onto the couch if you were good enough.
1: Yeah, no, it's not like that. I mean Colbert, when they tape now, I don't even think he's in the building. No. Yeah, Fallon Co- still does. Yeah, and Conan
0: yeah. does too. And Conan does too, but. S- speaking of Fallon, yeah, um, of when Ron Burgundy, well Ron Burgundy and in Invitrocomers was on um, was on Fallon, it was on all of them the other day. Yeah, yeah, and when Fallon he did some stand up Uh and then Fallon invited him over to the couch and then Uh my Burgundy said oh I've been allowed on the couch I must I'm going to make it I was like that was great I I, I don't genuinely like I don't genuinely like Fallon as a as a as a a host or performer but that was good
1: yeah yeah it was a throwback I mean something about Burgundy being a character from a long time ago I guess makes like that reference like work so well
0: yeah but Um, yeah i just think that the last great one was craig ferguson
1: mm, mm. yeah craig i i mean i didn't watch a ton of that show um but i do like he, he had a show in edinburgh a he did ago. and
0: i missed it yeah for one night only i had a friend who went and said it was awesome oh i can just imagine it like yeah. because he must have so many stories yeah oh, yeah he's just he's a he's a comic he's a scottish icon yeah yeah. Do you know uh, where he's from in Scotland? Uh, Glasgow. Oh, is he? Yeah. Oh, that's great. I've listened to his first audiobook. Oh, okay. Yeah, and he's he's got a real fucking story behind him. Yeah, yeah. Like so, what was I gonna say? Shit. Um. So, do you plan to take the show anywhere else other than the other than Edinburgh, in the US?
1: Yeah. Um. So I've done it in New York, and I've done it in Dublin, and now I've done it here. Yeah. Um. For the fall. I would. There's some other fringes that I've been told to apply to. What? Uh, um, some places in Canada have some yeah. fringes. Um, I hear the Orlando fringe is great. Um, so maybe I'll do that circuit this year in preparation for um, next year's fringe. And there's just, like, smaller American cities where I know a bunch of people in D.C. I know mm. a bunch of people in, maybe not in Philly, but uh, in Boston, where it would be great to... You know DIY, advertise it, bring some friends, and then just do like, because compared to you know now I'm doing the show for twelve, fifteen people a night. Mm. If I could get that in an, an American city, maybe do two nights in a row or something like that, um, that would be worth it for me to take a trip yeah. to Boston, see friends, hang out, do the shows, um, yeah, because I just want more people to see it, mm. and, and so I'm I haven't really begun that process yet, and it's going to be a little bit of a slow September for me, mm. but I'd like to I'd like to just keep making it better because already from night one to night two is probably the biggest jump in the show where I had these like sections of jokes at the beginning and from night one to night two what I did was I sort of tethered the bits that I had into the stories so I, during a story about um, like I had these sex jokes that I would do at the top and then I was like, oh, I'll take those jokes and I'll put them into the section where I talk about my relationship with this girl. Mm. And suddenly, like, this joke and this story sort of like molded into one thing. We're at the be on the first show, they were sort of separate. Um, so it's been cool to. So even that's like a huge change and happened overnight. Mm. Um, so who knows what,
0: um, what it could be like in a year? I have no mm. idea. I'm yeah. excited. That's the exciting thing, like, uh, from doing The Fringe. I mm. don't really get the people who come to The Fringe. With a completely finished show.
1: Mm.
0: That's not what the fringe was ever meant to be about. It mm-hmm. was meant to be just artists coming up here, Artists and performers coming up here, and just doing their thing and working stuff out. Yeah. And then coming away yeah. with a fully fledged show. Yeah. But what I think has happened, right, uh, and from what I can see, even though it's my first fringe,
1: yeah,
0: I think that it's going in such a di- in a direction which means that. You're going to have to be completely polished mm. and have a lot of money to come up here. Yeah. And be- that's really sad.
1: Yeah. No, it's really sad. Um, and it's a shame because I am lucky enough to have a full-time job. Yeah. And I'm lucky enough to have parents who, like, you know, I can always move back home. Yeah. And, like, not every artist, comedian, whatever has those resources to do that like it's very expensive to be here like i'm sort of i'm i sort of treated it like a vacation yeah because it is you know i'm losing money doing this like yeah. a fair amount of it um and that's unfortunate because art should be coming from everywhere it shouldn't yeah. just be coming from the middle class no. and the upper middle class uh, and the wealthy yeah i said um and that's a real shame um because it's a cool festival. Like, I'm meeting cool people. Yeah. I'm seeing great shows. I'm um, I'm having fun. Yeah. Uh, I'm exhausted all the time, but in, like, a weird, different way Yeah. Um, than I am used to. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's something about it. It's just, like, there's just, again, there's just highs and lows, man. Like, meeting cool people. And then, like, I'll walk home the other night. It's raining. I performed for five people. I didn't make any, like they gave me a fiver i just bought chips like i just mm. like
0: i'm just like miserable oh. um well yeah. i'm saying chips are not french fries <laughs> yeah because
1: i you know i mean you're you're part of the world yeah. <laughs> um but uh but yeah i mean everybody should get to sort of experience it because it is so great um yeah it's funny because like you know the people in my venue like the the people who run the spaces are getting paid and I'm like I should be getting paid for this like
0: yeah. <laughs> that's the thing about this about this festival man someone's getting paid and it's not us it's yes somebody somebody like, is getting paid there's a very select few people who are getting paid and yeah. that's about because there must be they might like, there's only about what four companies yeah four or five companies at this fr- at the fringe yeah so it's about four or five there's about five five people who are getting a shit ton of money yeah right think of the thousands the hundreds of thousands of shows there are at the moment yeah that's it's kind of sickening yeah of how many people are here just for the hope of of audiences yeah Um,
1: yeah it's really hard I mean like again I can't imagine I'm lucky for so many reasons Mm. one I'm, I'm I'm lucky that I don't you know if I end up being under on the money that I owe them at the end yeah. by I, I'm on pace to reach it I'm halfway through I'm on pace to, to reach that mm-hmm. money to not owe them anything else um, but um, I think if I re- like if I didn't have it at the end like that could be really scary and I'm yeah. also really lucky that I was able to work so hard during the year to come with a show that I was really proud of yeah. because it's one thing to have bad sets for 10-15 minutes a night mm. but to if you're bombing for an hour every night, I just, like, can't Ooh. imagine. Ooh. Um, and you're losing money, and you're far away from home. Like, I imagine there are people that are having really bad fringes. Yeah. And I'm just very, very lucky. Yeah. That I believe in the show that I'm making just enough money back to, like, break, not to break even, but to break even on, like, the second half of my, um, venue payment. Yeah. And I'm hopefully gonna make enough money to, that I'll have paid off my tech yeah. through that also. Um, so, um, so yeah, man. Um, I feel very lucky, but again, it should be coming from everywhere. Yeah. It's
0: it's a shame. Yeah. Um. What was so you haven't got an agent yet? No, not yet. Oh, sweet. Okay. Yeah, so from looking at um, from I'm guessing you got friends and people who do have agents. Yeah. yeah, 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 for sure. What are the steps that you get? Well, what advice would you give to someone who's looking at the moment?
1: Oh, honestly, I have no idea. I, 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 like all of the folks. My advice is not very good and not a very industry answer, probably. That's
0: fine. That's what we want. Yeah,
1: I would just be just like keep doing it, just like yeah. get funnier, um, and um, and don't. I'm very hesitant to like play the game. Yeah. To like do the go to the corporate parties or whatever. Oh God, that I, sounds horrible. Yeah, I, that's not my racket um my my advice would I guess be to focus on the thing that you're doing before you get good at marketing it yeah um because like I really care about the jokes I make and the stories I tell and hopefully maybe one day that'll line up with industry folks and maybe it won't Mm -hmm. um but I'd rather at this point um focus on like the focus on the thing and I yeah. not have to monetize it to feel like it was worthwhile like one time i heard a comic say like yeah i felt like a real comic for the first time when i said on my taxes that i was a comedian and i thought like what does that have
0: to do with anything
1: um for me like that's... that is like the farthest thing from like what matters
0: that's insane yeah like, that means nothing to me being a comic is getting up and telling a story that makes an audience feel like you're just talking to them yeah yeah or telling a joke which makes an audience feel like you're just talking to them and not reciting off a script.
1: Yes, that's that is the that is the ethos of my show, mm-hmm. and that is why I think I'm having success. Knock on wood, um, because it is intentional with smaller audiences. Because yeah. I feel like people feel like I'm telling them a story, um, and that I care about them and I appreciate them coming. Um, so yeah, man. So so get, in terms of getting agent, I have no idea. Um, but good luck to everybody. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: That's what we're all trying to do. So what advice would you give someone who is looking to do The Fringe next year and who hasn't done it?
1: Mm, I would, so I guess it's twofold. It's, uh, the first is like about the material.
0: Yeah.
1: It's like I um, figure out like the, either the story you want to tell or like what kind of show you want to do um, that will fit you where you're at. Um, so you're doing a, a split bill that's yeah. awesome I thought about doing that um, it's something that maybe I would consider doing in the interim year next year when I yeah. don't have a full show ready or whatever Yeah. Um, so if that's where you're at do a split bill if you want to come maybe and just do spots and run around I know a guy who's doing 15 spots a day um, there's this uh, I can't know if he's English or Australian but he's just doing... What's his, name? What's his name? I can't remember. I just <laughs> met him the other day. He's like... But he's like a wild... He, he's like, yeah, this is my 100th set of the Fringe. I was like, oh my God. Is so, that? Is
0: it Kyle Legacy? He's got... With going, the hair? Yeah. That's Kyle. Yeah, he's yeah. from Liverpool. He's from Liverpool. Okay, yeah, man. Yeah. I've gigged yeah. with Kyle a couple yeah. of times. Yeah, man. He's a lovely guy. <laughs> yeah, he's
1: lovely. He's, lovely. He's, <laughs> he's a lovely man. So he's like running around... So like... Uh, <laughs> hashtag make your Fringe. Whatever you need to get out of it. So yeah. it's like a week if that's a split bill, if that's a full run, um, but then work really hard at like that thing. Yeah. So like if you want to do a lot of spots, like maybe try to meet comics, talk to folks, look through the bill, try to find stuff, and then get here and then just see a bunch of shows and meet a bunch of people and mm-hmm. try to get a bunch of shows. If your goal is a split bill, make your 15, 20, half hour, whatever yeah. the best it can be and also have more than that maybe yeah. and that you can cycle in and out of and, and learn from. For me, it was putting together a solo show so, like, even up until, oh, God, May, the show had not been longer than 40 minutes, mm-hmm. 35 minutes, something like that. So, for me, it was just, like, putting together the stories and the bits and the, and the arc to get it to 50 minutes every night. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it's just, like having a having an intention for the fringe um for me it was not a very corporate intention yeah. like i haven't had any press yet uh I've had really great audience reviews i haven't had any like agents come but i believe in the show and i want people to keep seeing it and like maybe that's a pretty naive way to do this but mm-hmm. it's it's the way that i'm enjoying it that i feel like i still have a soul or yeah. I feel like i'm not like trying to monetize this thing that like um I care about yeah. on like a intellectual or I care about in like a like an emotional level
0: yeah okay so
1: i about taking care of yourself <laughs> yeah I, t- I signed up for some yoga classes oh nice um, which I've done once I should probably do, I'll probably do tomorrow or the next day um, I'm trying to see shows I'm trying to sleep so I pretend I'm my show's at 11.15 at night mm-hmm. so what I do is I pretend that I'm four hours behind mm-hmm. so when it's three in the morning I'm like oh it's only 11 and then what happens is the next day I'll sleep from three to noon or whatever it is and I'll just pretend like that's a normal schedule because I have to peak at 11 p.m. one of the things that we talk about in the apartment in the flat is um, we talk about how depending on where your show is what your show is um, there's all these different variables and we all run into different problems so that's a, a big piece of advice for the Fringe too, is just like depending on all those variables, you're gonna run into different problems. My friend has a show at 1.20 every day, he mm-hmm. has to flyer people in the evening for the next day. That's a different problem than what I have, which is I can't flyer during the day because people aren't gonna be out that late. Yeah. I have to flyer people in the evening. So there's lots of different sort of problems you can run into. So in terms of taking care of yourself, you sort of have to figure out what are the problems that I need to solve with the Fringe and then how do I work around that? So yeah. for me, it's like after my show, I usually like walk right to the monkey barrel grab something to eat outside and then go in and watch that show and just sort of unwind and laugh and meet people, um, in like a chill environment. And during the day, it's like trying to do spots, um, but also trying to relax. Like I watched some Carmichael show episodes the other day just to like sit in bed and just like do nothing. So like, um... Yeah, I have three more yoga classes that I paid for, so hopefully I'll be able to do that at least two or yeah. three more times. <laughs> right.
0: My main thing is to shower at least once every two days. That's a good idea. That's as you're sitting on my bed, I'm like, that's awesome. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> yeah, I just thought, okay, am I gonna go to the gym or am I gonna shower? I'm like, nope, I'm gonna be me and Gabe today i need to shout i oh, need to shower so you great. got right. you got that, that, warms, that warms my soul that's, that's good <laughs> that rarely happens with a comedian as well <laughs> oh man i'm proud to say i've been showering every day oh good <laughs> that's good for for the purpose of this i'm i'm gonna say i have as well <laughs> yeah go back and fix that yeah don't worry about it <laughs> let's, get, let's get a timestamp. but oh yeah man it's hot but it's hard like eating yeah and all that kind of stuff is hard to do when you're basically living off donations. Yeah, I
1: know. And, I, I you know, there's two weeks left, so I'm like, oh, in, like, literally two weeks from today I'll be back in New York. I'm like, that's fucking crazy. Yeah. Um, so I just gotta, like, enjoy this last big push mm. um, because the last few days, I imagine it'll end with a whimper and not a bang. Yeah. Um, so I'm just trying to enjoy, like, this weekend and then this weekend and next weekend I'm just trying to really, really enjoy.
0: For me, it's just about even if the show's not gone well mm. f- which happens yeah, right? all the time um, just thinking about everything that has gone well during the day mm. because the whole, those 20 minutes those 20 minutes or in your case an hour or in your case an hour yeah. that's just one section of the day
1: oh yeah
0: like and it's very easy to let that one section of the day make it a terrible day yeah oh yeah so you got to like look at everything that you've done and think oh okay maybe it hasn't been so bad after all yeah yeah for
1: sure um yeah i've been trying to do that it's hard because i don't get to celebrate the victories too much because i have to go to bed yeah um so like last night was a great show but then i sleep and wake up so i'm trying to enjoy it today for a little bit um i'll probably take a nap when you leave and just chill and drink some water um maybe get some lunch um, and then, you know, go into my, once, you know, like about eight o'clock comes around, it's like, all right, it's flyer time. It's like, <sighs> it's talking to people, um, from eight to 1130. Yeah. eleven fifteen. 15. Um, that's when like the, cause the, mm-hmm. like the shows are easy. It's the yeah. firing that's so hard that's and the right. talking to people. Cause it's, it's all very personal. You can't just hand out flyers. You have yeah. to say, Hey, like I've been telling people I really like the show. I think you'll enjoy mm-hmm. it. or this this is my show I worked really hard on it like something like that Um, because I'd rather I'd rather be overly honest Mm. than like pretend like I don't care about the show and it's been effective like I I told somebody the other day this is a love story and then they came back and they were like is it? and I was like well not really and then uh... they came back and so like that got them and they were amazing audience members they dropped a bunch of money in the bucket like they were perfect Mm. Um, and so yeah i i that's the hard part for me that's the hardest part and on the days where it's not so fresh because people are assholes like people are rude yeah and people treat you like a jerk because i don't even i'm not an aggressive flyer i just say like are you guys looking for a show like how you doing um are you here for this show whatever and when people are rude i'm just like you don't understand like i'm really not like i'm trying to pitch you in the same way i'm trying to pitch anybody but i also just like hope you have a good day
0: yeah um like my favorite thing to say is whenever they're rude or whatever or if they don't take the flyer or whatever just say have a good evening yeah absolutely like, and yeah because that just makes you look like a better person it makes yeah you feel a little bit better too
1: yeah yeah and I mean it I hope you have a nice enjoy the fringe it's yeah. a great it's a great place to be it is we're all very lucky
0: to be here we are it's the biggest arts festival in the world and it's hard to remember it's hard to remember that sometimes yeah how lucky we are to actually be here to be amongst all this creativity
1: yeah there's some really great stuff here
0: all right so Carmichael show yes
1: the Carmichael show
0: so do you want to set it up for us what's it all about
1: yeah so the Carmichael show it's 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 based on the life of comedian Gerard Carmichael who's a comic that I really love who his origin story as a comic is that he's from Winston-Salem North Carolina yeah and He had a friend who was just like, I'm not going to talk to you until you start to do comedy, Mm -hmm. Um, and he's like, and like sort of gave him an ultimatum, and or until he moved to LA, either one of the two, and um, he's just this like hilarious, um, thoughtful, smart guy Mm -hmm. who um, I think is somebody. Speaking of like not being too corporate, like I think is somebody who's like ascended Mm -hmm. in terms of in like the industry, quote unquote by being really true to himself and his ideas i feel like he's somebody who like turns down huge offers in the hopes of like doing something that he thinks is more interesting or more worthwhile and yet he'll do
0: the transformers movie yes and he also (laughs) did
1: the transformers movie yes Um, but you you gotta get paid yeah get paid man listen he i i i don't think he grew up from what i understand with a lot of money he Mm. talks about that a lot so i'm just like get your money man like that's awesome yeah um but he's somebody that I admire a lot. And it's funny, I, I, I watched an interview with him yesterday, and I had heard one before yes. about, like, why did you decide to do a sitcom? Like, sitcoms are relatively um, – there's a lot of structure, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of rules, and there's a lot of conventions that come with having a sitcom. Why did you decide to do this? You're so creative. Like, you could have been doing anything and one of the things he said was like oh like during this time probably like Mm -hmm. 2013, 14, 15 is like everyone wanted to do like the Louis C.K. show Mm -hmm. where like Louis on FX where he just like broke rules and like it was hyper real and um, sometimes surreal and based on his life as a comedian and Gerard was like everyone was going that way so I just wanted to go back more traditional yeah Um, which I really admire and it's a cool use of his brain Mm -hmm. in a old form I thought was
0: really interesting I think the I really think that there is something quite special about the multi-camera when it's done well Mm. there's something really special about the multi-camera format yeah and I think the Carmichael show is one of those rare cases where it really really worked I thought so too like everyone in the cast we had Loretta Devine yeah we had who was the David Alan Greer David Alan Greer David Alan Greer we had Lil Rel Howery uh, who played his girlfriend? In- um, um, I can't remember her name
1: right now, but she something Mitchell maybe. But she, uh, super talented. Yeah. I um, mean, incredibly beautiful. Um, she's married to one of the actors, who a guy who's on The Walking Dead, who mm-hmm. I like knew. Um, and she's just like incredible. Yeah. Um, she, uh, uh, she's wonderful. And so the show is like Gerard's a young guy, and he's in this relationship with this woman who's. Uh, half white and uh, you know his family is like a black family in North Carolina yeah. and the thing that I think jumps out at you is the topics that they're covering Yeah. guns Black Lives Matter Black Republicans mm. um, uh, being judgmental about different types of things being open minded but being closed minded about other types of things um, those are issues that the show is looting mm. um, the show is addressing Serious topics in a traditional form in a way that I thought was really beautiful. That um, the characters are imperfect because people are imperfect mm. in a way that um, I think reflected a lot of the conversations that people are having um, in, you know, in the mid 20 teens mm. in America. Um, and I, Gerard is somebody that I just like trust with all of those topics to at least have an interesting an interesting angle yeah um and a thoughtful um approach where there is no you know it's there's not black and white issues he's not trying to like push an agenda necessarily down your throat but he is Mm. trying to talk about talk about both sides of the coin yeah and not even both sides of the coin but like the 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 muddiness of Mm. each side like Somebody could be progressive in one way, but not progressive in another way. So it's mm-hmm. not Democrats, Republicans. It's like complicated people having complicated views about mm. things.
0: Because they had that episode with the transgender kid, didn't they? Yes.
1: Yes. I have not seen it, but I read about it. Yeah. Um. And yeah, I mean, again, a topic that like to be on network television, to be on NBC, um, important for uh for lots of reasons. Mm. Um, and it's clear that he's like a student of of sitcoms and TV. Mm. Um, but he's also mining his own personal experience like at one point he said like my mom wrote that line um, about he was like how would you react to this situation she said something and he's like yeah I just took it mm-hmm. um, so he's like mining his life for this um, for this sitcom and in so many ways like it's so funny like it seemed counterintuitive when I first heard about it that Gerard Carmichael who's like stand up is sort of all over the place and yeah. almost structureless is doing like he's somebody who will go up without a set list yeah um, to do like the most structured TV show that you can I was like oh that seems weird but in retrospect like it it makes a lot of sense the episodes mm. I I watched the other day like it felt to me like watching the Cosby show yeah um, before like that got ruined oh, still, I'm sorry
0: we can still watch the Cosby show
1: oh I disagree
0: but okay. that's okay <laughs>
1: Um, yeah I mean like I think we can watch it in terms of like
0: nostalgia e-
1: no I think we can watch it in terms of like X's and O's okay. meaning like that's a joke structure that works. That's an episode structure that works. I see what they're doing there with like um, uh, uh, the way like that plot device worked or like that trope worked. But for me personally, I just think like we shouldn't. But like that's, again, that's, that's, that's my
0: personal opinion. No worries, man. Uh, yeah. Like, but yeah, I think the, I think you're completely right though with it being kind of brave for him to go down the route of the traditional stand-up comedy Mm. because so many as you said so many comics and as he said well as he said and you agreed so many comics were trying to push the boundaries of what they could do on tv yeah he's sort of gone as you said gone very much left field as well i'm gonna bring this back but i'm gonna do it properly yeah and it's really
1: cool right it's it's inspiring it's like oh like the, the breaking of the rules doesn't need to be what everyone else, how everyone else is breaking the rules. Yeah. They can break the rules in like an old way. Um, and that's like, that's the best, man. Like, I I'm, I'm I was doing my homework because I was watching episodes in preparation for this, but also like, it's something that I just might watch now. Yeah. Just for fun. Because, um, He's really enjoy- I saw him one time outside the comedy cellar and I didn't say hello but uh next time I next time I run into <laughs> him I'll say I recorded a whole podcast
0: about him.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, if you're listening Gerard, thanks for thanks for getting this far. But man, that who could have predicted Tiffany Haddish? I know. Jumping off from that show, becoming a huge huge star. I mean, she was like
1: sixth build seventh build yeah. on that show. She was like the wife of his brother. So yeah. like not even in the top five people on that show at the no. start. Um yeah, it's pretty cool. It's I mean her stand up, her um her movie career, she you know, she, I think she she won an Emmy for S N L for she like did, hosting. Yeah. yeah. So like she's had like a media article, and she's so funny. Like her she, book is really funny.
0: I've not I listened to the book yet, but
1: I'm not listening. I hear it's yeah. great. I hear it's I've I've listened to like a little bit of it um but I hear it's like the whole thing is like top to bottom so
0: mm. I think that she's running the risk of kind of overexposure, overexposure yeah, because so. she's literally in everything
1: right Yeah now. she had a problem where she did had a bad stand up set like on New Jersey Year, yeah. but
0: then no one don't do a set Anywhere around that time.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's a, yeah. New Year's <sighs> Eve is a is a rough night. So like, there's always like backlash or whatever. But like, just in terms of pure talent, like I hope she keeps doing fun stuff. Yeah. Um, because I think she's like, like legitimately
0: like really really great. What I like about her as well. She's putting other female She's putting other women. Yeah. Oh yeah. Her. Like she's got a show coming out where she's got um. It's on Netflix. Mm-hmm. or going to be on Netflix, where it's Tiffany Haddish presents all these funny all these funny women hell yeah from from america and i think that that's great that one someone's got through the door and is holding it open yes for other people i agree agree. i'm not gonna lie i've got i've got a real crush on tiffany oh (laughs) she's beautiful yeah of course she's one of the
1: most and and like just like her being so funny makes her like even more attractive
0: i just find it kind of odd though like thinking like about five to ten years ago I'd have thought said a woman in her forties is too old for me, but now that I'm, t- but now I'm <laughs> no. twenty-eight, and I'm just like, oh, okay, I'm I'm seeing it now. I guess
1: I'm in that uh, in that bracket. That's very funny.
0: Are you forty? You're not in your forties, right? No, I'm twenty-seven. <laughs> twenty-seven? Okay. <laughs> no, that's up to you. That's that's oh, that's good. So welcome to the club. <laughs> but no, um, she's a scene. She's a scene stealer. Oh
1: man. yeah.
0: Oh yeah. Um, but I think Loretta Divine mm-hmm. is honestly, one of my favorite actresses.
1: Oh, she's so funny in that show. Yeah. She, the mom, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she's incredible. Um, and dramatic and silly but lovable. Yeah. Um, and her, David Alan Greer is a classic. Oh, I mean, he gotcha. Was in, in Living Color and like a Yale-trained actor. Um, and it's cool. Yeah, I mean, he had a great cast. The writing is really smart mm. and tackling big topics. And I, it, it, it's interesting because I've been over here, you know, I work in New York City and I work in a very, I, work, I live in the most diverse place in the world which is Queens mm. and the show is tackling he probably wouldn't phrase it this way maybe Gerard but like intersectional um, issues of race class, religion, politics mm. and um, that's something that like in this part of the world at least in Edinburgh and when I was in Dublin the race conversation is not what it is mm. in New York City oh. I can't speak for London um, but I think that's why a show like this, if,
0: if folks from around the world watch it, like they might understand some yeah. of the race conversations that we're having in America. I, and and in, in London the race conversations that they are happening quite a lot. What I found in Edinburgh, at least with the crowds that we're getting in our venue, yeah, it's a lot harder to talk about race, yes, because it's mainly white people, yeah, and that is that's not generally a problem like in london in the or in manchester or liverpool or in the more multi or in the, i don't want to say more multicultural places but yeah the um the kind of the the clientele that we get in our venue mm-hmm. don't always respond too well well not exactly don't respond too well so like i think they find it a bit uncomfortable sure to talk about it or hear or hear about it because they're mm. just they're that yeah
1: yeah particularly i mean are you advertising your show as a show where you talk about race
0: yeah initially initially yeah oh, okay. initially but now for me for my set specifically yeah i've changed it so much into sort of a way that i think that i probably can talk about race later on mm, i see but because i'm so new sure. i had some advice from rob moholland who was on who was on the podcast like mm-hmm. recently um he said that when you're starting out try not to do the heavier hitting topics until you're right until you have found your feet yeah because you're walk you're running before you can walk before you can walk and i've started to go back to the yeah write some phase. silly
1: jokes about whatever i mean as long as that, that thing is important to you in some way yeah um yeah i'd agree um, my buddy do you know christopher casey no he's a, a scottish comic who's also his family's from Hong Kong I believe. oh nice and he's doing a, a show about race called it's a stand up show called um, why I'm no longer talking to White people about are, rice right? yeah
0: that's a great pun yes. on a book that I'm still about to listen, I'm about yes. to, listen to he's my buddy I
1: started stand up with him five years ago um, he's a really good band. and uh, he's mm-hmm. been having success because his audiences know that they're coming in for an hour about race, race um, which is pretty cool yeah. Um. So again, like, I'm sorry that you're not getting audiences that are like, like eager for the race conversation. Yeah. But that doesn't mean. I hope that doesn't discourage you because we need more of those conversations.
0: Of course. No. There. Are, I've got a specific way that I'm going to bring in the race conversation. Good. 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 But good. I'm going to work on it when I go back to London. Good. And good. then I'm going to take that section around the, around the country. Yeah. Because obviously these things do need to be addressed. Yes. But I'm going to be talking about it in a specific way mm-hmm. in which I can address it, but also sort of make it not only palatable but make it a way that people want to listen to it.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's entertainment after yeah. all. it's not a it's not a
0: lecture. No, exactly, and that's an important thing. <laughs> yeah, but and I think the Carmichael show to bring mm. it back, yes, like, it back, um, actually really strode that line quite well because it did have some quite preachy topics, sure, but it didn't preach to the audience.
1: Yeah yeah it's 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 sort of all coming from Gerard's perspective so yeah. like if he if he brings up an opinion, it's because he thinks it's um it's like measured and based in experience it's not yeah. theoretical um and yeah i mean like they 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 get into racial profiling um, um you know unarmed teenagers being shot at mm-hmm. and killed um and so gerard you know grew up black in the south has probably has a ton of opinions about all these things yeah and um and puts it in a show that is funny and worth watching and like you enjoy the characters but they're also talking about real things it's not like some of these more superficial um sitcoms and again like there's a place for those too yeah but i think what the Carmichael show tries to do and does, mm-hmm. it does better than I've seen any sitcom probably since the Cosby show fans Yeah.
0: Um I'm a bit upset they it lost it only three seasons, but same. at the same time, I'm kind of glad it only lost it three seasons because otherwise there may have been a decline.
1: Yeah, yeah. They have three really good seasons, and I think Gerard was ready to move on from what I've read. Yeah. That like it was sort of teetering back and forth, and then he got mad at the network because they were going to do an episode about guns and it was supposed to come out and then there was a mass shooting and the network decided not to put it out and Gerard was like, I think he called, I don't think he called it a sin. He called it like something, like yeah. very damning. Yeah. And uh, so he had problems with them too, which like, yeah. was understandable. Um, but yeah, there's something about like leaving on top. Like like to be honest with mm. you, however many episodes there are, 30? Mm. No. The first episode, the first season is oh, six. It's about, yeah. Forty episodes. So like that's more than I'll ever watch yeah. of the Carmichael show to be just to be honest with you. Um but so in that sense, like, yeah, the show exists. I'll probably yeah. never run out of them. I don't think I'll binge them, but no. I probably will from time to time like pop in one because it's mm. it's um it's an engaging, mm. funny show, and it, when I feel like not turning my brain off, but like watching that type of show, it's the
0: one that I would turn mm. to. I don't know how Networks like NBC are going to continue with the streaming culture we got right now.
1: Yeah, I mean we're about to we're we're about to hit a real turning point. So when mm. I lived, it's funny when I lived in Edinburgh five years ago, Netflix had two original shows. It was Orange is the New Black yeah. and House of Cards. Yeah. And I remember watching both of them in my flat on Marchmont, um, and being like, oh, like this is cool. And five years later, now it's completely different. Now like. The streaming services are blowing up, and what we're going to end up getting is we're going to instead of paying for one giant cable package, mm. we're going to be paying 10 bucks a month here, 12 here, eight here, and we're gonna end up going to get cable back just like split up. Um, Disney Plus is coming out; yeah. that's going to be a game changer. NBC has their own thing. They're also involved in Hulu, Amazon. Like, so who knows what um, what this could. Um, what this could lead to mm. but I know for me personally it's like it's all the more reason to not worry about the industry so much yeah. and just like make a show that you believe in and try to do it and then maybe one day put it on your website or YouTube or whatever
0: that's, that's what Andrew Schultz did isn't it
1: yeah he was just in the New York Times about how yeah. like, his YouTube special like killed and he's been saying Netflix is going down forever
0: yeah well um, he's not I don't think he's wrong yeah yeah I think with YouTube and everyone being able to put everything up for free and whenever they want to, Netflix is going to struggle. Yeah. But it yeah. won't struggle for another like 20 year, 10 year, five to 10 years maybe. But yeah, yeah they're going to struggle, I think. I think so, too. I think All so right. too. All right, Gabe, where can they see you? They can see me every night
1: uh, for the rest of the Fringe Run at 11.15pm at the MASH House. The show is called Gabe Malika, The Whole Thing. Mm-hmm. uh and then the poster says a true story of love comedy and rice cake sweet uh, uh yeah come check it out if you're
0: if you've listened this far please come check it out <laughs> <laughs> also where can they find you on social media and stuff
1: uh just my name no spaces at gabe malica twitter instagram perfect
0: sweet all and right you. man it's been wonderful talking to you yeah
1: man you too man i Woo! appreciate it this was fun
0: Ah. Thanks for listening, guys. And as always, you can catch me, Duffy Connors, and Jean and Johan at 645 at Dropkick Murphy's Bar as the tick boxes. Um, you can catch me on Twitter at your boy Gibbo, um, on Instagram at GibboGram1. And yeah, hopefully, see you next time, guys. Thanks very much. Bye.